Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to our online service. Happy Mother's Day to all of you who are there with your children, or at least uh, you're celebrating today, and we want to wish you a very warm, uh, literally and metaphorically, a warm Mother's Day. And we are so thankful for you. And I hope that this has already been a great uh, morning for you. Uh, Hopefully you're watching in bed and you're getting breakfast in bed and you're getting pampered and taken care of and you've already been able to have some of the gifts that, uh, that all of the dutiful husbands have helped with the children to get ready for Mother's Day. So we do wish you a very warm and uh, heartfelt thank you to our moms and trusting that this will be a great day for you. So thanks for inviting us into your home again, for joining with us, and it's just uh, the same thing week in and week out, which is days blur one into the other, and we look for the weekend, and then we kind of forget where we're at, and we are just um, each day together uh, walking through this COVID-19 era. And uh, we will continue to support each other the best ways that we can and uh, look to our leaders to help us discern uh, the steps moving forward. So just a couple of announcements for you this morning. If you receive our Saturday e-blast or our Saturday email, that is probably uh, one of the most predominant ways that we are communicating to you right now. If you are not on our mailing list, If you could go to newlifecollingwood.com, and at the bottom of our homepage, there is a sign-up for our uh, newsletter that you will get. It's a weekly uh, newsletter that comes out with various um, information on it. And this week, uh, one of the things that we have highlighted is the Southern Georgian Bay uh, Pregnancy Resource Center, or Envisage Pregnancy Resources. And they do a baby bottle campaign every year from Mother's Day until Father's Day. And they literally have baby bottles that we would be handing out if we were in person. This year, that's going to be done online. So if you would go to that email and click on the links, there's some videos for you to watch. And there are some instructions for how you can uh, register for their baby bottle campaign. Also would like to ask that if you are aware of a good news story of something happening through a a new life person or family or something that you've experienced, we would love to hear your stories. And just shoot us an email, uh, office at newlifecollingwood.com. You can use my email, paul at newlifecollingwood.com. And, uh, and shoot us a quick description of your story, and we will follow up with you and get back to you. We love to hear these, and we want to try to share them as we can from week to week, because the good news stories are also really helpful for us, because most of us each day, we're waking up and wondering, okay, what's next? So we are going to continue sharing those from week to week as best as we can. Uh, finally, if you could also... Um, As you're tracking with us, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do so. And you can do that right now. If you are uh, haven't been following us on social media, on Instagram or on Facebook, uh, you can follow us. You can like the stuff that we're putting out and you can share the things that we're putting out. So at this point, moms, we want to just take a moment and honor you and offer this uh, short um, special video for you to enjoy. 
Hope that's an encouragement for you today. I want to offer a prayer for mothers uh, at this time. Father, we come to you today on behalf of our mothers, whom you have entrusted with the care of your most precious little ones, and we thank you for creating each mom with a unique combination of gifts and talents, and we thank you for the sacrifice of uh, each mom that she gives to her children, for the late nights spent rocking a colicky infant. For the hands calloused from washing, wiping, scrubbing, mixing, backing, stirring, hugging, patting, disciplining, holding, writing, erasing, painting, and pouring. Thank you for the gift of time that mom gives to their kids, whether it's stay-at-home moms, working moms, moms who have some combination of the two. We thank you for the flexibility of moms, for their tirelessness, their perseverance, and their devotion. Give each mom strength. Help her to see in every mundane task the eternal cosmic significance that you placed on motherhood. Help her to understand that the most radical world-changing events may be happening anonymously in her home. Help her to forgive those who undermine her significance. And we especially pray for single moms who must lean solely on you for the fathering of their children. And we thank you that your big arms surround children who may never know their earthly father. And we also pray for the women who have never had the honor of bearing children, but whose nurturing extends to the many poor and needy who cross their thresholds every day. We ask you to be the daily bread of tired mothers. We ask you to be their living water. We ask you to be the source of spiritual and physical strength for them. We pray that the same grace that flowed from the Father to the Son to us in salvation will flow from mothers to their children. And we pray that each mother rejects perfectionism and instead embraces the goodness of the gospel. We pray the rhythms of repentance and forgiveness shaping every home. Lord, give each mother a worshipful reverence of you, the creator and sustainer of life. Help each mother to rest in the knowledge that they are but stewards of your children and that your spirit can produce change into the hearts of each boy and girl. May each mother find rest in you. And most of all, Lord, on this day in which we honor our mothers, may we love and cherish the special women who have borne us, who have nurtured us, and who have prayed for our well-being. May our hearts overflow with gratitude to you, who formed and knitted each of us in a mother's womb. Amen. Amen. Well, It's that time for us to hear another good news story. So I want to hand it over to Christopher Rosevear, our youth director, and he's been doing a great job uh, kind of curating and collecting these good news stories for us. Hey, everyone, it's Christopher, bringing you another good news story this morning, this time from our own Marlene Lacroix and her family. It started as a fun way to spread joy during the Easter season. Marlene and her young family have since been using what they've got to lead kind and inspiring messages in their neighborhood to brighten strangers' days. When asked about the project, Marlene said, Through all the hard times, we are looking for joy, and we just want to spread that joy to everyone who passes by. It doesn't need to take much, we just use what we have. For Marlene, a rainbow was a fitting replacement for the Easter decor. Rainbows have always had deep meaning for me, she said. 
a source of joy, hope, encouragement, God's love, grace, and his promise of hope for the future. These simple acts of kindness and creativity are undeniably inspiring. Here's hoping that each of you might likewise be encouraged to use whatever you have to spread some good news to those around you. Thank you, Christopher, and thank you, Marlene and family. Um, just another example of the impact that mothers have on their children and the things that, uh, that mothers do that um, can really shape a young person's life. And uh, we are, uh, we're grateful for that. So at this time, I want to uh, just take a, a few minutes and talk a little bit about um, the next uh, part of our series in Good News for Tough Times. And we're going to keep today kind of short and sweet and let you uh, celebrate uh, as families and make sure that mom gets all the attention and care that she needs. But I want to bring us to this idea of the good news that we have for tough times like this. And we are using a, a book that we typically don't do, but it's a book called Reunion by Boxy Cavey. And it's uh, the good news for seekers, saints, and sinners. And uh, this week, we are looking at the idea of the gospel in 30 words. And it's simply this, Jesus came, Jesus is God with us, come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, shut down religion so we can share in God's life. And today we're going to focus on the fact that Jesus comes to show us God's love. And that is good news. Now this whole diagram or this, this whole depiction of what good news is, isn't all of the good news in a, in a single sentence. It is meant to be something that captures the essence of the good news in all of its many facets. And this doesn't even capture all of the facets about what Jesus does in bringing us and showing us good news. But it is a very good outline to help us understand what God did by coming in the person of Jesus. And today, we are going to celebrate God's love. And I actually thought it would be appropriate in talking about God's love on Mother's Day because for many of us, we have a really deep and profound understanding of a mother's love. Either you're, you're uh, someone who's able to love your children as a mother or you have memories of the love that your mother gave you. And there are places in Scripture where God describes his love for us the way that a mother loves her child. And I thought we would start with that today and turn to Isaiah chapter 49, beginning at verse 15. And in this chapter, we are introduced to a, a messianic figure. And the nation of Israel is waiting for God to do something to act on their behalf. And they're actually filled with doubt. And so in verse 14 in Isaiah 49, we have the author speaking for Jerusalem and saying this, The Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. And so the people in Jerusalem really felt like God had just abandoned them. And I think that's something that most of us can relate to, where we wonder if God actually cares about what's happening in our life. And then in verse 15, this is how God responds. Never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. 
Even if that were possible, I would not forget you. And here's some rhetorical questions of God saying, can a mother forget the child that she's been nursing? Of course not. And that is the same kind of love that God has for his people. And all throughout the Hebrew Bible, you see God uh, referring to himself again and again as a God of love. So in Exodus 34, when he reveals himself to Moses, he says that he's a God who is compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in loving faithfulness. And throughout the story of Israel, God continually has to remind them that he is a God of love for them. And they continue to question whether this is true. And finally, God says, well, here, let me show you what I mean. And he comes in person, in the person of Jesus. And one of the things that is so powerful about the good news of what Jesus has done for us is that he shows us God's love. And the early followers of Jesus, those who were with him, as they began to reflect on that when Jesus was crucified and he rose from the dead and he returned to the Father, they began to reflect on that. And one of them uh, was someone that we refer to as the Apostle John. And it's likely that uh, John is the author of this letter here, 1 John, that we have in our New Testament. 1 John chapter 4, and I want to read a, a number of verses from there and talk a little bit about this idea about God being a God of love for us. So let's read together from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 10, and then I'm going to skip over to verse 16 and read a few more verses from there. So this is what John writes as he's experienced Jesus, and he's reflecting on how Jesus shows us God's love. Dear friends, let's continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God because, and these are three powerful words, God is love, because God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And then John writes a little bit about how this actually motivates us to be people who love like God loves us. And that love just draws us closer into our faith in Christ. And then we come to verse 16, and John writes this. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. He repeats it again. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. So here's John saying to the people who are receiving this letter, if you're still trying to figure out the love of God in Jesus, let me spell it out for you a little bit more. And he begins by saying love comes from God, but then he says, you know, if you are a person who loves, then you are connected to God because God himself is love. And we use that phrase a lot, God is love. 
But if you stop and, and ponder that for a moment, I think it's worth asking the question, well, what does that even mean? What does it mean to say God is love? Jesus shows us that God is love, but what does that mean? And if you've been reading Bruxy's book, you'll find um, in the chapter on God's graphic love, Bruxy writes this, God is the highest good conceived. Love is the highest good achieved. So here are three beautiful words that bring together the two most axiomatic beliefs ever to enter the human psyche. God is love. And what John writes through in these verses is really just expanding on that, helping us uh, come to terms with this fact that God is love. And if you think about that statement that God is love, not that God was love or that God is just loving, but that God is love. His very essence is love. All of his attributes, his characteristics come out of his nature of, of being love itself. It begins to take on profound implications. So I want you to do a little exercise with me. I want you to think back to the beginning of time. I know, you're having a hard time thinking back to yesterday and what even happened yesterday. But I want you to go back further. I want you to go all the way back to the beginning of time, to the very moment of that big bang. And poof, everything comes into existence. And now I want you to go back even further. Before the moment of existence, before the moment of time, and there is just God And I invite you to consider what God is like. And now John says, God is love. And that makes makes sense of existence. And it introduces us to the God who reveals himself as Father, Son, and Spirit. If God were just a monad, a singularity, In order for him to be love, there has to be something for him to love. Love demands an object. And it would mean there's there's a deficiency in God. If God is is not love in the idea that we understand him as as triune in nature. Because then God would need creation in order to exercise his love. And yet we know that the Father and the Son and the Spirit were in perfect loving relationship with one another long before existence came into being. And so sometimes I get asked, why did God create us anyway? And I used to say, well, because. And now I think I've been able to grow in my understanding, and my answer usually is because we are an expression of God's love. God's love can't sit still. It creates It holds things together. It maintains things. It heals things. It moves. It flows. It is always moving and and flowing from one person to another. And that love flows from God to us, from the Father, the Spirit, the, the, the Son, the three of them. It flows through them for one another. It flows through them to us. We are the product of the perfect loving relationship that God has always been. And that love can't sit still. And so John says, God shows his love for us. Love comes from God. God is love. 
it just, love never sits still. And when you think about mothers, you begin to understand that concept so much more. And particularly you mothers with young children, and you're at home a lot with them right now, and you know the whole concept about not sitting still and how tiring that can be. And yet God never tires of sending his love to us. He has always turned toward us in love. If you continue reading through, John says in verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Now, there's a juicy morsel to talk about. What do you mean, take away our sins? Well, we'll talk about that next week when we look at the good news of Jesus uh, saving us from our sin. So let's stay focused on the fact that God loves us and Jesus shows us that today. So while we were sinners, God showed his love for us. I want to jump over to Romans chapter 5, verses uh, 8 to 10 and read this for you because Paul expands on this a little bit. The Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the Romans, he says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right with, uh, in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. And here's this idea that God says, this is what my love looks like. Even when we were estranged, I stayed turned towards you. As you read through the Hebrew Bible, the story of God with Israel, you see Israel often turning away from God. And then things happen in their life. And then they're brought back to God. They repent. They turn back to God. And what they find when they turn around is that God is still turned towards them. And God says, I'm going to show you the kind of love that I have. It's the kind of love that conquers enemies. And whether you want to talk about, and we'll talk about this more next week, this whole idea about what is sin. When we talk about sin, what is it? And sometimes it really is that we become estranged with God and we want nothing to do with him. And yet God stays turned towards us. And here's John saying, and and Paul's elaborating on this, that he sent his son for us while we were separated. And the whole point of God's love is that it is always with the purpose of bringing us back into relationship. Not just getting rid of uh, some penalty that we're supposed to pay, but bringing us deeper into relationship with him. And it's that kind of love that brings enemies to their knees. And every one of you who have experienced that love have turned towards God and you've opened up to him. And here's Paul saying, when we were enemies, when we were estranged from God, that love actually restored us into relationship with him. That is what love does. And the, and the radically powerful thing about this is Jesus says the same kind of love that can't sit still, the same kind of love that brings you to your knees is the same kind of love that you can express towards your own enemies. The people in your life that you'd rather not be with, the people that maybe hate you, maybe the people in your home that you're having a hard time celebrating with today, perhaps, or maybe somebody else that you know. 
And that love of God is a reconciling love. And it is a love that overcomes hatred. It is a love that overcomes evil. And it is the kind of love that does not give up. Very much like the kind of love we find in so many moms in our lives. And then John says that the love that God has for us that we see in Jesus is a giant killer. And this, I think, is some of the most profound teaching that that we have about, about the impact of God's love for us that John gives us in this chapter. If you jump over to verse 17, John writes this, As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. The more we are with God, the more complete, another way of using that or, or, or saying that is that our love becomes complete. It becomes finished. And we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face God with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. And then listen closely to what John says. If we are afraid, afraid of judgment, afraid of God, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced God's perfect love. And here's John saying, love is a giant killer, because the giant in your life is the fear that you have. Fear of God, fear of punishment, Fear of judgment. And this is not to say that there isn't consequences to the sin that we have in our life, which we'll talk about next week. But here John is saying, if, we, if our concept of God still fills us with fear, because we're afraid somehow that we haven't done enough to make God happy and God's going to punish us, he's going to set things right. And if our image of God still contains that element of fear, that element of punishment, that somehow uh, we don't really want to see God because we're afraid of what he's going to do to us, then John is simply saying, then that's just evidence that we have more growing to do in plumbing the depths of God's love. We have more experiencing of that love in our own life. We have more understanding to acquire about how deep that love is, how broad that love is, how unconditional that love is, and how that love is so fully displayed through what Jesus has done for us. And so I wonder if your image of God, if there are still traces of fear and uncertainty. Because John is writing here and saying, actually, when, when we live in God, when love is permeating our life, and not only is it coming into us from God, but it just flows out to everybody, when we live that kind of love life, love becomes more and more complete and more perfected. And we actually, when we come to God, we come with confidence. It's like we can kind of just, you know... Uh, our children come home. They, they don't knock on the door and wonder if it's okay if they come in. They Really, they just walk in and kind of do their own thing. And uh, sometimes they don't even acknowledge our existence. I'm like, yeah, so, so God really does understand what it's like to be a parent of a teenager. We can be confident when we're with God. 
And I love, I love what John has done here. Because he's saying, when you understand God's love as it's revealed in Jesus, you begin to understand the whole concept about judgment and punishment and how that all fits into place. And we're going we're gonna to touch on that more next week and explain that more next week. One of the things I'd encourage you to do this week is read John chapter 5, the Gospel of John chapter 5, where Jesus says, the Father's given me all authority, and he's also giving all the authority to judge to me. And so part of the good news isn't that we face judgment, it's that Jesus is the judge. And then I encourage you to consider how Jesus treated people. And see if that begins to help you understand how God's whole concept of loving you is to bring you into relationship. Not that there's just this judge who wants to um, punish you because you broke some kind of code. And next week we'll get into that more. Celebrate God's love. God is love. God is love. It's a dangerous love. It is a love that will transform you from the inside out and it will be the kind of powerful love that even gives you the ability to love the people that you maybe initially don't want to love or even the people that are filled with seething hatred for you. Your response will be a response of love towards them. And that is a dangerous kind of love. And that is a powerful, explosive, expansive kind of love. God is love. What does that mean? It means it can't sit still. It's a giant killer. It brings enemies to their knees. But what does it mean for you? God is love. What does that mean for me today? What does that mean for me today? It means when you open yourself up to that kind of love, you become a very dangerous person. Because that love will will so permeate every pore of your body. And it will be the kind of love that you will not be able to contain. And a lot of you know what I'm talking about. The more you live with God, the more you experience his love, the more that love flows through you. And you do things that you would have never imagined possible before. It's a dangerous love that we receive and we unleash. I want to ask you this question. How willing are you to stop resisting that kind of love? That kind of dangerous, explosive, expansive love that is revealed by the Son and experienced through the Spirit of God. I encourage you today, stop resisting the love that God has for you. There are probably things in your life that you're feeling like make you unworthy to receive the love that God has for you. And yet here's John reminding us, uh, and, and Paul reminding us, even when we were sinful, God loved us fully and completely. Stop resisting that kind of love. Open yourself up to receive that kind of love. And yes, when you open yourself up to God and to experience his love through Jesus, It is going to take you places that are maybe going to make you feel uncomfortable. Places in your heart, places in your mind, places in your neighborhood. Stop resisting. Be open to that kind of love and be active with it. If God loves you, 
just the way you are, then who is there in your life that he wants that love to just infiltrate you and then flow through you to that individual or to that community? And I encourage you to be active with that love. We began this morning with Isaiah 49, verse 15, where Jerusalem is saying, God's forgotten us. And God says, never. How could a mother forget the infant that she's been nursing? And even if that were possible, I would never forget you. And then when we get to Jesus, God says, let me show you how much I love you. Let me just explain it and spell it out clearly. And that's what Jesus does for us. And I pray that you receive that love today, each and every one of you. This is a new day to receive God's love for you and to let that love flow freely. And so I want to finish with Psalm 131, which is a prayer for all of us. And it brings us back to the mothering love of God. As we conclude our time this morning, here is my prayer for us. And here is a prayer that I think is um, really helpful in these days that we are all experiencing right now during this pandemic. Psalm 131. Lord, my heart is not proud and my eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Put your hope in the Lord, now and always. Happy Mother's Day. May you know God's love for you and let that flow through you to others. Enjoy the remainder of your day and we will see you next week. God bless. Bye for now.